You're listening to The RC, your guide to digital cinema, filmmaking, and cutting-edge imaging. Hi, welcome to this month's RC podcast covering digital cinematography. And this week we are going to be covering the new Arri Mini as we talk to Arri about this rather extraordinary uh, small new uh, Alexa-style camera that's come out. We're also going to be looking at uh, new stuff that's been happening uh, and shipping around the town, but joined as always here in the RC uh, podcast is my friend Jason Wingrove coming to us via Skype today. How are you, Jason? Hello. How are we all? We see our role here at the RC podcast, as you guys should know by now, to mine the news and filter those blogs and have some red hole discussions and discuss basically the camera tech that we like to obsess about, argue about and try and work out. And so this week, we want you to be a part of it, as we always do. And Jace, uh, I was super, super thrilled to see this Arri Mini come out um, just uh, end of last week. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, Alexa Mini, outstanding. Uh, I I think, I'm, yeah, I'm sure I told you, I, I think this is the, probably the most um, significant camera they've come out with since the very first Alexa that we saw at NAB. Just pre Um Oh, God, how many years is it now? So yeah. It's got to be four years. I don't know. Yeah. And they've just taken on the world. We'll be uh, talking to since. Stefan from Ari coming up later in the show. And uh, Jace was going to be sitting in, obviously, on that interview. He couldn't make it as the yeah. schedule panned out. So we got Ben Allen, who is a uh, DOP, a regular at FX PhD, um, and teaching this term, actually, at FX PhD, uh, to join me for that interview because I uh, thought it would be really good to have a a uh, strong cinematographer at the table. And uh, that's coming up later in the show. But, I mean, just in terms of your impressions, Jace, now that you've had a couple of days to look and uh, and think about it, um, I guess the thing is, while the camera, in all sensitive purposes, validates the kind of epic um, size and and, uh, shape and everything, this isn't exactly an epic... Unintentional pun there. (laughs) This isn't actually uh, an epic. It's uh, it's an Alexa. I mean, in the sense that it's got all those Arri uh, DNA. Yeah, there's very little. There's only a few little exclusions, I suppose, uh, from the from the, the. It's it's so close to being an actual Alexa. You know, there's very little. I mean, I know I'm sure you probably spoke to Stefan about uh, really what is missing between this and you know what are we really. Obviously, we're, we're, we're losing a lot of bulk and uh, weight and some considerable amount of uh, money difference between that and the full, full Alexa. But there's not a lot. I mean, it's got the 4.3 sensor. It's got all the frame rates. It actually has higher resolution than the, the current uh, regular Alexa, I think, doesn't it? Or maybe not. Well, of course, it depends which model you're going after, the uh, 16 by 9 model or the uh, 4 by 3 uh, sort of raw model. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, um, we haven't actually tested one yet, but uh, theoretically, yeah, it looks very much like the Alexa. Well, that's what they're definitely hanging their hat on, the fact that it is exactly the same colour size. Same sensor. Same sensor. Yep. And, and I'm sure, and I'm sure that that has been like top left-hand corner, page one for the engineers, is to make this thing look exactly like uh, its, its elder brethren and obviously make it, you know, that would be part of their their charter, I'm sure, to make them all it all cut and work together and, you know, the cameras be almost indistinguishable uh, on screen. How does it sit with the uh, Wingrove law of recording, given that it does record on camera, but it obviously can record more if you feed it to an external uh, deck? Look, I mean, 
Isn't that the same? Oh, no, that's not the same. It used to be the same with the, uh, the original Alexa before they put the whole in, internal codex thing happening. Well, didn't yeah. it? So, oh, look, you know, <laughs> I think there's a certain wriggle room in the whole uh, Wingrove paradigm. Good. <laughs> <laughs> if the A7S can get, get a bit of a... Get a uh, um, a bit of a, a a free pass. I think it's most certainly this cat. Look, it's if essentially you're still getting the same frame rates uh, and resolutions. It's purely the. Uh, I think these days a lot of the times we're dealing. If we want to get that high end or raw, we are apart from say an Epic and, and uh, uh, full a full strength Alexa. You are essentially always going to be dealing with an external recorder to to really get the raw uh the raw stuff out so look i mean the the, the codex and you know the, the pro res and and the non yari raw what what it records straight out of the gate without having to go to raw is so astoundingly good anyway uh as is a lot of things you know the with the uh even any other camera that also has a raw flavor you know it's it's non-raw non-raw stream is uh it's still it's is so good still you know you have to really want to it has to be a another level of production to uh want to cope with and or have the manpower and data power to to cope with um the raw side of things you know so i i i'm i th- i guess if you're going to go for for, for if raw is going to be your workflow, then you can cope with the external recorders and co- cope with the you know you can cope with that extra stuff but what are, i mean i get so they they're working on or codex is working on a recorder to go with this right yeah there's uh, a co- small codex you can actually record four cameras um at once and i can see sorry. some real uses for that uh but of course stereo would be an obvious thing um not that that many productions are wanting to shoot uh native uh in camera stereo you know it's obviously been a huge trend towards post conversion but yes a uh four camera array that can go to um uh, one single codex recorder, which is kind of interesting um, in of its own right. I mean, codex and Alexa are, and Ari are very, very close when it comes to this stuff. But you know, like we've and discussed I think this before, why it gets that jail. I think yeah. it's why it gets that get out of jail free card too, because we're, normally, if you're dealing with external recorders, part of the whole, you know, the the original my original wind on all of that was that it's you're dealing with HDMI cables or you're dealing with you know some you know mid range gear and and the recorder is half the time manufactured by a different person than the camera and this is really a different a different kettle of fish here with the with the Arian codex because it's almost they are joined at the hip and they almost you mm. know they're, they're very much the same thinking in in terms of their engineering and the way they work and you know it's it's almost it's as close as you can get to having onboard recording without actually having it yeah yeah so we're going to have that interview coming up in a bit but uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't, in the same kind of breath, at least uh, flag the fact that Red's announced a new camera upgrade for the Dragon called Weapon. Half announced. Half announced. In their usual sort of half cock tease kind of um, ego stroking way. I'm sure it'll be fantastic, but we don't know. The, 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 I guess the frustration is that everyone's kind of really screaming, just, just tell us what the fuck it is, you know. I mean, it's, it's great that we know that something's coming and, you know, we know that it's going to be a different design. We're imagining it's, it's essentially keeping your same dragon sensor once you've upgraded 
and uh, have the rest of the body what looks like almost a total gutting of the um, the innards of your of your dragon, replacing it with um, yeah with with weapon, which is again well, it is it's an unknown. But uh, rumors are um, obviously better you know better. Um, it's like half an inch shorter than the epic brain, right? That case, well, um sort of, I believe from the uh, red user forums. Yeah, better dynamic range. I'm sure yeah. it'll be. It's it's uh, it's the it's the back end step up that I guess will now maybe put put the camera one step ahead of the sensor. So they're sort of doing this leapfrogging thing, you know, hanging on to the obsolescence is obsolete uh, kind of mindset. Uh, like it or 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 or, or hate it. It's um, they are still hanging. They are still you know sticking by their guns with that one, and uh, it's it's an it's an interesting plan. I just I guess the frustration comes from a not knowing what the hell it is. Them asking or asking people to people to trust them to uh, go ahead and you know if you upgrade. You got to upgrade your. Uh, you need to upgrade your dragon to be able to qualify for the. It's not like if you don't. If obviously you have to upgrade to be able to go to um, to go to weapon, but uh, they're getting people to upgrade now pre NAB. Well, to you, you don't the you lower know, priced weapon. Yeah, you don't need to upgrade the dragon before NAB. You NAB. don't need to upgrade. No, obviously before you can weapon. wait. You can wait until post NAB and know exactly what you're after. But uh, for those for the party faithful, if you want to uh, be first in line and get um, uh, a lower rate of what we don't know, a reduced rate. Um, then yes, you need to have uh, purchased your at least purchased your dragon upgrade pre NAB, and they've actually lowered the price back down again because obviously the, the the dragon dragon upgrade price went up I think to like thirteen grand or so, and I think the, they've come back down to nine nine and a half US I guess. So it's that's sort of softening the blow somewhat. But you know, you don't know what. I mean, you're still getting a good sen- you know, you're still getting a sensor upgrade, but you just don't know what we don't know what uh, what the next step is. Really, it's a little bit, a little bit frustrating. It's an, it's, uh, you know, it's complete 180 degrees from what Sony and what and what uh, clearly what, and and there's no dates of when this of when weapons going to ship. Really, we know that it's going to be announced at NAB, but uh, we don't know when people are actually going to get these in their hands. As opposed to Ari, which we'll hear about later, is uh, well, there's a there's a solid time frame there, really. Yeah, I mean, somebody said the other day it was interesting listening to the RC podcast, and that we'd gone from red lovers to red haters, and yes. and I I I understand that sentiment, but I guess what the the situation is from my point of view is not so much that there's a red loving, red hating, or even you know any sort of notion of that. It's just simply that. Um, we can only judge based on stuff that actually happens. And what has happened in the past is there have been some really big blowouts in the delivery of stuff that was said that was coming from Red. And, of course, this is under the caveat from Red that uh, they were always subject to change. The thing is, when people say subject to change, one sort of assumed that you wouldn't gut you know, the six cameras that you'd announced and, and just end up with one uh, essentially, a camera Subject which is to a complete one eighty. Yeah, and and the other thing is that uh, certainly, from my point of view, um, 
one needs to be balanced in what's going on with the other cameras. And so if one is to applaud Red, and I certainly did, uh, for the massively terrific injection of life they placed into their camera and sensor market, you have to also acknowledge the the massive uh, turnaround that Sony's had in terms of being far more responsive and the enormous popularity that Ari um, has had with the uh, Alexa, which is, as I think it's been pointed out, I think we put it out in the interview, which is coming up, you know, shown at Oscar time by the number of films that um, were shot, in fact, on the Alexa. But not only yeah. that, it's the fact that, uh, and, and I think this is a really important point, away from the feature films, away from that sort of super high-end raw market, an enormous number of people benefited from a simplified workflow that was possible due to the ProRes um, adoption early on by the Alexa. Uh, a, a process, I might add, that uh, just totally caught me off guard. I mean, I really didn't expect the industry to so completely embrace a ProRes workflow um, the way they did, but they did. And and the proof is in the pudding in terms of the viability of productions that used that kind of workflow. So. So I think the the really key thing here to answer that uh, that point about you know red loving or or hating is not so much that it's just there is additional love to be given to those that are delivering uh, new and innovative stuff, and quite frankly there is a disappointment in uh, being disappointed by lack of delivery, and so if uh, red chooses to announce a product, and it's very unlikely that that product on past reckoning will meet its deadlines, then it's hard to be sort of enthusiastic. So it's not a, not a hating of the company because uh, Red is a, you know, a really innovative company, but it's just a, a, a difference of opinions at my end on the attitude to the professional film industry of announcing stuff in such a sort of cryptic um, and, dare I say it, fanboy kind of ways. So I guess I... I, 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 I I find it hard to um, be alongside with the combative nature of their marketing yeah. and their stance. And they're very much, I mean, we always sort of talk about, you know, this is a whatever killer or this is a, you know, this is a real epic killer or whatever. But I I, I just sort of, I, I kind of cringe at the whole, you know, the na- nomenclature and weapon and, you know, this is, you know, this this sort of combative we're at war with other camera companies kind of unspoken kind of war a little bit, I guess. And just feels like, it just feels, you know, like, I don't know, just, it's a very negative stance, I feel. And that, that's sort of, and it's indicative of sort of the under, underlying sort of, I don't know, I just, I just, I'm not very comfortable with that, um, sort of way of working i mean but i'm going to flag i'm going to flag this right now because it hasn't happened if red delivers a weapon right after nab in may having shown it nab and shipping 30 days later and it works right out of the gate and they're able to ship in a reasonable quantity um then i won't flip-flop i'll applaud that and i'll happily publicly applaud that and say wow isn't that terrific so absolutely it's not this is not (laughs) This is not some like political campaign where I was left wing, now I'm right wing, now I'm left wing. This yeah, is simply just, just applauding those that uh, that deliver. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it could be argued that Sony have kind of gone the other way, and in a, in a little, you know, it can be. Uh, it, Sony just have such a high, have such a high. I mean, they are breaking new ground with their cameras and breaking new price points with their cameras, but 
the downside of that is that they move on to another camera before they've really, you know, I mean, other camera companies perhaps do a lot more, spend a lot more time updating firmware and updating firmware and really sort of making sure that you get a lot out of your investment or, or you know, and in, in, in Red's uh, defense, you know, clearly making, you know, giving you uh, a trade-in of the full price of your camera or, you know, or, uh, against the next version. Yes, you have to keep, you don't have to keep spending. Your, your whole camera doesn't stop working, but they do give you that upgrade program and, and they don't, they certainly, uh, I still keep an eye on the firmware updates and I see a firmware update in my mailbox for Epic um very often literally every every few weeks so i think there is a lot to be said for that and uh, you know there is that downside to the sony thing of while we love new cameras we love new gear and we love them pushing the envelope and again doing it cheaper and cheaper every time and giving more bang for your buck now me being invested in that side i can see the downside to them you know, I, you know, you can just tell they've got a, you've got a certain couple of, you know, you've got a certain few firmware cycles before they just move on to the next thing, and you, and you know, they might just still support it a little bit. You're more. talking about Sony now. Yeah, yeah. I just yeah. I feel that 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 is there in there. There's a danger of that. I mean, it's amazing that they bring out such, such with such regularity, and, and and they have a really you know a really rapid. Um, sort of production cycle to be able to get. I mean, obviously, all of these cameras have been, you know, at least every single one of them has been, a, you know, a couple of years in the making. But the fact that they have su- such a quick rollout of new gear that they do, you know, it feels like their attention is shifting from one. I mean, I'd love to have someone to prove me wrong, but or, you know, or or point me in another way of thinking. But that is my worry: is that with this high rollout. That you know, they just can you know that each camera is going to have maybe a limited number of firmwares, and and the frustration is that when these firmwares come, that there might be people have a bug list or or you know a, a wish list or a niggle list of t- twenty different things. You know, the, the top twenty things are all very important, and every firmware update maybe and this is the same with a lot of our cameras companies as well. Every firmware update maybe addresses three of those things. Or five things, and the bot and the and the top two things are: oh, we corrected a spelling mistake on you know on the deep menu five five layers of menu deep. We corrected a we added a full stop. You know that's that's two or three out of the five things they correct every time, and and you just know that they've only got a couple of very limited life of these updates before you know your your camera is um, so quickly. Hmm. Old hat, not still works again, but it just it, old hat in terms of it just gets harder and harder. It gets you know harder and harder to imagine that there, there's going to be those big ticket updates that you wished would, would would happen, and then the next camera comes out and kind of inherits some of those same issues. So it, there is you know for for every time we kind of dis. Ep, ep, you know the red side of things. There is a lot to be said for, you know, the extended support that they are they are giving for giving for their cameras. It has to be said. And look at you know, and, and look at what they've done with and what Ari have done with the, the Alexa line, continuing to do it, continuing to evolve it, and software updates for existing cameras. And this is 
rather than trying to go, and I'll probably be proved wrong in a month, but tr- rather than taking the Alexa and making it 6K, making it 8K, making it, you know, they have extracted an extortionately huge amount of information, even even in its original form. You know, that's why it's been so, so popular. As you yep. say, they've done some amazing things with just ProRes. They've done... N- it sounds. I'm not going to say they've done a lot with a little because they always start. They started with way more than a little, but they've got an incredible amount of um, uh, of uh, image quality out of what is starting to be considered lower resolution now, and they they don't you know they don't that they, they've made. I guess they've made really really made a lot of hay out of that of those existing cameras and. Uh, and uh, even even early adopters have still got a camera that is um, considered, you know, looks and feels very fresh. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm so so let me ask you. Let me ask you a totally different question. You've got um, a Sony camera that's kind of your uh, camera of choice at the moment for presumably stuff that you're doing. Camera du jour. Yeah. Tempted to get a mini. Uh no, because I'm so wedded to the full frame thing, and uh, you know that's that's me. I'm I'm I like the idea of if not necessarily having um, a full frame sensor, but at least having a mount. I mean, they may well be able to with the. Um, I think it's a more it's a it's a bit more high end for me. Um, I do like it, and I'd love to have a play with one. I'd definitely like to to get one on on set and 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 give it a go. Um, it's it's definitely uh, very tempting. But uh, I think it's a bit. I the problem is I turn cameras around pretty quickly. I'm a bit of a you know. I'm, I'm, um, no, I haven't noticed that, Jase. Yeah, I know. I, I get bored with them, and I just want to sort of oh, go for the nice shiny thing. Bit of a bowerbird in terms of camera gear. Get sort of uh, easily distracted squirrel <laughs> uh, with new new the new next shiny thing. All because, of course, I want to just you know I want to have. Uh, improve the look and refresh the look and you know it gives it's all about you know it's not about just it's not about gear acquisition syndrome of course it's all about the final image um no i think it's i think it's uh, a little bit rich for me i, th- I definitely know people who are uh, definitely who have been long-time renters uh, who are definitely considering a purchase i think this is one of those this is definitely going to uh Take a, I think you know, Ari themselves would say uh, that a majority of their customers are renters, and a majority of their purchase customers are rental houses. And I think this is definitely one of their first, uh, apart from a mirror. This is this is a this is a big step towards people actually owning, own, getting into actually owning an Alexa, an Alexa that's not just a very specialized. Um, I mean, it's definitely been pushed as being let's great for Steadicams, great for gimbals, all that kind of thing. But I think this camera is usable way beyond that, and I think it's uh, you know definitely you know you can add controllers, and I'm sure as Stefan says, you can add controllers, add viewfinders, and you can build this up to be quite a a happy um, uh, studio or, or you know or you know, an A camera rig for a lot of people. So I th- and then or it could be. You know, if an owner, if someone's got it, they could actually have it as a. They could go on and, and use it, to, or be, be great for B cam operator, B cam, B cam owner operators. I guess if you're a second unit guy for you know often for Alexa Alexa shows, 
Um, this is a chance for you to own something that actually could work for work on rigs, work on B cam, and also build up and be be A cam between 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 the larger projects. So yeah, this is definitely going to be much more for. They're going to have a lot more uh, owners rather than renters, I think, with this camera. Well, let's hear that interview now that uh, we recorded uh, with Stefan from Ari and the other uh, person, as I said it before, will be uh, Ben Allen, a DOP member of the Australian Cinematographer Society and uh, teaching currently at FX PhD. We'll cross now to that interview. So, Stefan, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And thank you, Ben, for sitting in uh, to give us your perspective. We really appreciate it. So I don't know about you, Ben, but I was super enthusiastic when I uh, saw what Ari had announced. You must, Stefan, have had a great reaction to this uh, announcement. Yeah, it basically blew us away in the same morning where the announcement went out, where many customers wanted to place an order immediately and put down a deposit. Uh, but we also want to get uh, final specs and pricing in writing uh, prior to taking any orders. But we are very excited, of course. So if I was to get a ballpark on the pricing and shipping, what are you telling people at the moment? Uh, currently, we're not talking pricing yet, uh, but ballpark figures will be uh, a lower price range than the Amira, which we are shipping successfully for about a year now with 30 units in Australia and New Zealand. And it will be quite a reasonably priced camera uh, with uh, two package options available. Uh, one is a basic 16 by 9 and one is a 4 by 3 with RAW and uh, p- pricing will be very competitive. Because you know there's a number floating around of like 21,000 pounds or something. Yeah, the number which we um, release is part of the uh, Q&A document. Uh, this is about uh, 33,000 euro body only. And uh, the current exchange rate is about 1.6. So you can do the math and get the idea about this is the basic body. But then there are more options for full package what viewfinder do you need and what accessories do you require and uh, usually the camera body is one part of many line items in a camera package yeah so what else will be i mean is there a whole range of other accessories that are coming with the camera no, or you expected to use just think about the lens uh, a large zoom lens can easily be the same price than the camera body. If you do yeah. a helicopter shot and have a reasonable ingenue zoom on the camera or uh, wide but I'm thinking away from the lenses though, right? Because uh, I'm just thinking like, is there a, a whole suite of extra accessories coming out? No, with it? not for the Alexa Mini. The Alexa Mini is a complete product. It's a basically, I call it a cube. Uh, it's ready to go. It's more the choice. How do you operate it? How do you control it? Uh, when the camera is um, mounted in a helicopter gimbal, you wouldn't swap cards in the gimbal. You would rather swap cards in the main unit, which is at the helicopter, which might be a codex recorder, which can record up to four streams. Then also, how do you control it? Do you want to use the Amira viewfinder? Do you want to use a Wi-Fi tablet? Um, or a remote control panel, whatever your requirements are, because every application is different. I think that's uh, an interesting point as well, that this is a camera that I can imagine a lot of people using in very different ways. It's kind of a, a bit of a blank canvas in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. People could easily kind of rig it up with um, viewfinders and whole kit and caboodle. Um, and, um, but, you know, say on a, um, on a gimbal, you probably want a fairly minimal uh, kind of rig Correct, but you're exactly right because uh, the main uh, intention on this camera is to have the most flexible and universal user interface in terms of plugs, connectors, pinout, 
infrastructure uh, compatibility to third-party equipment. Just all very standard. Correct, including lens motors. Yeah. So to be make it very easy to interface, uh, to get uh, cables to accommodate third-party products on the camera body. So you can use the Amira uh, EVF with it. Can you use the Alexa? How does it? Now the Alexa EVF doesn't have a, a user interface with push buttons right. because the Alexa has its own GUI on the right-hand side of the camera body. Electronic viewfinder has a flip-out display which accommodates the user buttons which control the camera. And this electronic viewfinder can be used on the Alexa Mini if, um, if required. So, Ben, I'm sure you'd agree with me. Like, one of the things I was really interested in was the mounts. Like, it's got a titanium PL mount, mm. but we also saw EF mount, PL mount, and um, B4 mounts and stuff. What comes standard, and how hard is it to change the mounts? Uh, basically, the uh, same concept like the Amira. You have to choose your lens mount. Um, it's a matter of pricing, whether you package it with mount or without mount, but you're not forced to buy any mount. Um, we listen to your requirements, what mount do you need, because we have customers who want the EF mount only. They don't need to purchase a PL mount, of course. So this is always what we make possible. I don't want any equipment lying around because there was a package which just had this mount. We will package it in Australia and New Zealand for exactly according to our customer requirements. But, but if I have it, if I buy it with an EF mount, that's it? That's, I'm EF mount forever or... Now you can change it by yourself. There are four Allen screws. It will take you about 40 seconds to change the mount. It's the entire assembly you take off, uh, including the, the mount, and this also uh, guarantees a correct back focus adjustment. It's the same principle like on the Amira, uh, slightly modified in terms of weight and performance, um, but it is as easy as on the Amira. So no expertise Really just reasonable workshop, clean environment. You can even do it on set. Uh, of course, you should be a little bit dust-proof and not necessarily in the rain. But it's something we can do without any problem, any time. And you can flip it back and forth as often as you want. It's an interesting thing when you start thinking about the lens mount um, on the camera as a variable in the process that you can um, go, okay, well, we're going to put the camera into this um, environment, so we're going to put this lens mount on it, so we can put these lenses on. Um, and then kind of even on the same shoot, repurpose the body with a different lens mount to work with different lenses. Um, say if you wanted to work with really lightweight SLR lenses in one environment and then put um, uh, some uh, big PL glass on it for a different purpose. Absolutely correct. Yes, you can use any um, lens types, DSLR, EF mount, to third inch before mount, 35mm Super 35 PL mount, and it's quite a flexible system. So you can use nearly all the ARRI lens accessories, I presume, like the wireless remotes, the uh, ultrasonic distance measuring stuff, the, the UDM or the... I mean, yeah, it this doesn't necessarily relate to this camera because when it's mounted in an underwater housing or a helicopter gimbal, you wouldn't use an ultrasonic distance measure. Yeah. You'd rather control the focus by an operator with a monitor. But if I was just operating it, I mean, I, I can't see why I wouldn't just want to use this uh, as a normal work camera, would you, Ben? I mean, I would... No, it's, I, I think, um, I mean, uh, people are going to inevitably just use this camera in all sorts of different situations. And I, I can certainly imagine... For example, just in tight situations where you might want to use this rather than full-blown Lexa. 
Yeah, then you can definitely do it. And um, as I said, final specs are still to be released in writing. But uh, in terms of wireless, uh, any camera, be it Alexa or third party, plus or non-plus, can be used with the Universal Motor Controller 4, including the ultrasonic distance measure. So let's say I walked in here and I said, uh, I'm new to ARRI. Why would I not just buy this over an Alexa? Like, why would I now, why would somebody want to buy an Alexa, not this? What has the Alexa got that, that this hasn't? Yeah, good. The Alexa is basically the workhorse, which has a Codex Capture Drive, which can record onboard RAW for 40 minutes. Yeah, this is a, a major capacity because the Capture Drive is about 500 gigabyte compared to the CFast card, which have 128. So it's about four times the capacity. And there will be more updates uh, to the capture drive side. Just imagine what capture drives are used on the Alexa 65. This is a two terabyte capture drive at the same form factor. Um, technically, it could be possible that such capture drive can fit into an Alexa XT. And this would give you 180 minutes of uh, recording time in RAW. But I could just run from my Mini to a external codex device then you have a third uh, device which is wired yes you can do that okay. as well but let's say that i'm doing that so what's different like what's if ben's not concerned about about that cable to the recorder what what I doesn't from, he have from, in the mini? from my point of view um one of the one of the great successes of the alexa is that it's been designed for not just creating images but for a crew to work around it correct and um and so if you're if you're working in that that way with a full crew um, and the assistance of the DRT need to get access to the menus, um, if the the focus puller needs room to work um, and the operator needs to be doing their thing at the same time, then the full size Alexa really has a huge advantage there in being um, being workable with that that size crew. This is correct, and it has uh, when you record on. Uh CFast cards, like on the Amira, you have du dual card slots. On the Alexa XT with a card adapter, you have a single card slot. But the capture drives are the main advantage and the accessories. But you can also accessorize the Alexa Mini because the accessories are all universal. And as I mentioned, they can be also used for non-ARRI cameras. Okay, so you said earlier that there were going to be two options, like a 16x9 and a 4K version? Correct, but the 16x9 version can also be upgraded by a license to become a 4x3 RAW version. This is just to bring the entry-level price point down, because some customers shoot 16x9 only, so why would they pay more to get a 4x3 version? And if they don't use RAW but shoot ProRes uh, also there, uh, why would they need to pay for that? Well, but hang on a second. On the 16x9, there's a RAW option, isn't there, or not? Currently, uh, who is shooting RAW? Um, people who shoot 16 by 9 are not necessarily the customers who shoot RAW. RAW no, I know, but on your spec sheet, the 16 by 9 has a RAW option for 2.8K. Yeah, but this might be combined with the 4 by 3 option. Oh, okay, right. So it's not as simple as a, a line between 16 by 9 and, and 4 by 3. So what about the 4K versus the 3.2? This, this is a question uh, regarding 4K we won't be talking yet. Um, but this is a camera which is uh, the same imaging sensor like the Alexa. And you can output RAW, and you can output ProRes uh, at high resolution. And you can do up-resing and post very easy. Um, and the camera uh, might also be able to do Ultra HD on board, which is 3880. Right. 
I've got to say, one of the things I've been really impressed with with the Alexa is the um, just the latitude in the shots. Like you can shoot overexposed and pull it back. It's just really, really good sensor. So you're saying that I'm going to have the same kind of light performance out of the Mini as I would get out of the Alexa? Absolutely. This is absolutely correct. And as you asked um, in terms of resolution, I always like to point out that the pixel count is one technical factor, but it's very important to understand that dynamic range and the contrast you get from an image is even more important than the resolution you do as a pixel count. So basically, if you would have the choice between a high resolution, low contrast sensor or a lower resolution at a higher contrast, uh, to the human eye, the higher contrast will always look sharper and better. Uh, You need both. uh, You need both. And it's not about more pixels, but better pixels. And um, it's just a very slight upress you do to achieve 4K, factor 1.2. But you still have the dynamic range of 14 plus. Under ideal conditions, you can achieve 15 f-stops with the Alexa sensor. And this also applies for the Alexa Mini. And you have the dynamic range. You have the natural skin tones, low signal to noise, and uh, perfect color separation and representation. I think you uh, an easy way to kind of look at this is look at the list of cameras used on this year's um, uh, Best Cinematography Oscar-nominated films, and you can see that the resolution of the Alexa is not, not an issue because um, I think with one exception they were all shot on Alexa. Correct, and the resolution is not a limiting factor, um, but the advantages are dynamic range, as you say. Yeah, yeah and, and not un- just under not any just condition, for the shot, but for what you're doing in the grade, exactly. What you can yeah. do in post, exactly, gives you you um, you know freedom to add that extra creative layer in in the grading um, because you've got the uh, the raw information there to work with. Um, what's the deal with audio? On the on the camera, the mini, like how do I get audio into it? What's the situation with audio? Um, the Alexa Mini has the same audio interface like the Alexa, so you can do a two-channel balanced line-level analog audio. Uh, it's just a different connector, a smaller Limo connector rather than a five-pin XLR, but there's an audio interface similar to the Alexa camera. And we had uh, we asked some of the uh, RC listeners to send in some questions. Somebody asked uh, whether there was any kind of cache recording for pre or post roll. Um. Uh, it might be possible technically because this is already working on the Alexa and the Amira can do this as well like a pre-record loop 20 seconds might be possible but uh, as I said when the camera is released it will be software version 1 on Alexa now we have released software version 11 and uh, a customer just told me it's great because all features we ever promised have been released so this really uh, came out with a certain software release so also on the Alexa Mini, we will follow that route and really try to listen. Sometimes um, the software development has to change priorities in terms of in what order features will be released. But of course, we try to make it as complete as possible. So if I wanted to get one and we're at that 16 by 9 entry level desire, I want to get in. Um, what's the sort of minimum amount of stuff other than a lens I need to get to make the Mini work? Like I obviously need the mini, a lens, and a mount. But after that, what is the sort of minimum amount of stuff I need to make it work? Not really anything. You need your CFast cards, a card reader, to to basically connect them to whatever kind of storage you have for post, a CFast reader from Codex, and uh, power supply, cables. That's all. Uh, the camera is complete, and all our cameras are usually complete, so out-of-the-box 
it's your viewfinder preference which you have to choose uh, how do you control the camera but you can also control it with a remote start stop cable just with a trigger so where do you reckon ben from your point of view it's its strength is i mean the the promos have it on you know drones and personally mm. if i got one of these suckers i'm not putting it on a drone just <laughs> <laughs> but then they're, they're probably uh, that will change over time but you know what i mean like yeah uh, yeah i mean logically on on bigger productions um there's a real need uh, for a camera like this that's going to match in because I, I know i've had conversations with several people recently who've been working with um, alexa footage from the main camera and having to make uh, footage from other smaller cameras that have been used for their size fit in with that uh, in the grade um, and it's it's inevitably a challenge and so i think on bigger productions this will be used exactly as ari have envisaged on drones on gimbals on um, under, in underwater housings and all those sort of things. But even like in a car shot, it would be great. Oh, you know, I think that's a, a perfect example. You know, to mount on a car, the simplicity of doing that with an Alexa Mini versus um, uh, any of the other Alexas uh, is, is fantastic. Um, so that's, that's an obvious advantage. Um, and, and just in any sort of tight situation, say if you were shooting handheld in a, in a cramped situation, um, uh, like uh, if you were inside a car... Um, for example, or in some other sort of vehicle, um, say if you were shooting a couple of characters inside a helicopter, um, just the the, the space mm. would be much more manageable with a camera the size of the Mini versus um, something that's going to sit on your shoulder. This is exactly right. And the advantage of the camera is its weight, less than 2.5 kilograms. It's compact measurements. Because you were playing with it in Germany, right? You were like, like it just in your hands. Correct. And... and you shouldn't over-accessorize it, yeah, because then the advantage is gone. Yeah? I mean, the reality is people are going to do that, isn't it? Yeah, on, on the other hand, when, when you're looking what they're shooting in Queensland currently, Pirates of the Caribbean, mm-hmm. and they're using 10 Alexas and an Alexa M for aerials, yep. but this would be the Alexa M. The Alexa Mini uh, would basically be the complement to the Alexa M. They're using mm-hmm. an XTM as they all shoot RAW with Codex Capture Drives, and on the Alexa Mini, you can shoot RAW on the ProRes card. Mm. On the on the excuse me, on the Alexa Mini, you can shoot RAW on the CFast card. Yeah. So we talked about RAW. If we go to the other end of the spectrum, and I, I'm you know not money's no object, but I'm certainly um, happy to be recording RAW. What about putting it to the uh, Odyssey Seven Q? Like, can you record Harry RAW to that? Is there any reason you know that can? Um, you can basically record RAW to any off-board recorder um, the mini will have a 6g interface so we even go further because this um, you don't need as many wires to connect uh, the alexa can do 1.5g and 3g the amira can do 1.5g and 3g so the alexa mini will be able to do 1.53 and 6g so you can even carry a higher quality signal or a raw signal uh, in our case this is called t-link uh, however it is multiplexed in the cable uh, is also uh, to be discussed with Codex. But basically, a raw signal is always a 444, and we also use the alpha channel of the B-Link. We call it T-Link signal, and you can use it over a single cable up to a higher frame rate, and even for multiple cameras. When are you going to actually be shipping them? Um, plan is to ship them in May. I guess we have a lot of uh, pre-production models or first manufacturing models at NAB. 
Um, on the other hand, I always want a uh, um, robust, mature model. Uh, we were never shooting for serial number one in Australia. We are far away from the headquarters. We are, our um, reputation is that we have uh, good quality products uh, without teething problems, and our customers are using them in Australia and New Zealand in extreme conditions. So I rather have uh, a finished product in my country. But I uh, will also have uh, demo units as soon as possible, of course. Yeah, no, but I guess the absolutely, and I understand your your thing. But I mean, when we say that they're shipping in May, do you like expect them to be drip feeding in May, or do you actually expect them to have? So, like, if somebody was serious about a production and they were thinking about shooting in June, they'd be able to get at cameras, and you're going to be feeding the rental market, or is it like they'll be slowly rolled out over the next you know, three, six months? Yeah, usually when you ramp up a new production run, uh, as we did recently with the Amira, mm. um, you may start with a certain amount of cameras in the first month, and you double this every, every month until you're up to production um, capacity. Um, for us, it is important to really be able to support uh, every customer equally, uh, also in every state and in both countries, Australia and New Zealand. And we also get allocation uh, in terms of um, market share. And we represent about 3 to 4% of uh, worldwide market share in terms of camera installed base. The, the really nice thing about ARRI is you're obviously not just making cameras. And so as a consequence, you know, you have a lot of experience with sort of manufacturing and doing stuff. And we were talking just before we started about the lighting side of ARRI's business. And you want to just tell us how many lights you kind of shipped last year? Yeah, lighting is still uh, a growing business uh, line for us. Uh, in average, we do about 60,000 lights a year. And this is everything from a 150 what tungsten up to 18 kilowatt HMI like the Arimax where they are currently using six of those on Pirates of the Caribbean in Queensland. That full range of full the Ari lights is really the workhorse of the industry isn't it? Correct and uh, for many years now also LED. Um, L7 was the first LED tunable controllable there is a daylight version a tungsten version both are available as controllable versions tunable versions. I have to say like an ARRI just standard tungsten 650 1k kind of thing that's like the gold standard of just you know firstly the quality of the light and the and then the robustness of the gear because you know the thing about the LED lights and I think we've discussed this a lot um, at FX Guide and FX PhD is all LEDs are not made equal Mm. And it's far more the case that LEDs are variable than it is with, say, tungsten fittings. And getting the, the light spectrum response correct and, and reliable, repeatable and consistent is so much more um, an issue with, uh, with LEDs than it is almost any other light I've so ever experienced. True. Yeah. I mean, the, the variation in LEDs between um, something very basic and uh, something of high quality is, is huge. Yeah, we do a lot of workshops with our distributor, Barbizon Australia, and I always recommend to customers when you judge um, light quality, use a camera, use a DSLR or a motion picture camera and look through the electronic viewfinder because to the human eye, um, most LED lights, yes, they all make bright white light, but they might have a peak in green and suddenly you look how the camera sensor picks up the light and you see, oh, it's not really color balanced or you have a certain peak, so the skin tones will look a little bit pale or... And it's surprisingly difficult sometimes to balance that out. It's sometimes even impossible in post to mm. balance that out if uh, the light is determining the color balance of the shoot. Um, so if you've got spikes in the green and the magenta, 
you know, that's, that's a very awkward situation. That's absolutely true, yeah. I mean, we've done tests on that, and yeah. it, you can get just whacked out um, light profiles. Um, yeah, as you, as you get rid of green, you're going to add magenta, and so you just kind of... But interestingly, you raise a good point there about looking through a camera because, mm-hmm. of course, you've got dye properties on the um, on the CMOS chips. You've got uh, just the colorimetry, the the technology of the sensor in its color response, and the technology of the light. And so, it's kind of reassuring you make both. Now, it is very important to um, look at light. Also, there, this is the same like uh, resolution on a camera. At light, it's not just the brightness; it's also the quality of the light in terms of spectrum in terms of long-term stability. And as you mentioned, uh, the open-face lights like the M-series, uh, the smallest one, the M8, 800-watt HMI, the brightest one, 18 kilowatt, which work with a reflector. Uh, you have very even light distribution with no hotspots. Uh, also there, which really, where the light wraps nicely around the face of an actor uh, rather than a point source. So just getting back to the camera for a second, I, I'm going to say the two things... Um, well, the, the thing that I like that I, I was surprised that you had but makes wonderful sense, especially if you've got it on a crane or something or on a, uh, on a helicopter, is those built-in uh, motorized uh, ND filters. Um, that's going to be just that's fantastic, a wonderful it? little yep. uh, aspect to be able to swap in an ND without having to get it off the front of the helicopter. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is also to enable you to, to have your creative freedom uh, as we are also teaching at film schools and uh, universities. Because once you have to control your light through the iris, you change the depth of field, and then it's uh, immediately an, a creative impact. So you rather choose your light levels and control them by NDs. And it's fi- quite important. With the Alexa, we solved this through in-gate NDs, uh, removable uh, full-spectrum neutral density filters, which are sitting in between the lens and the sensor, but they are not motorized. Uh, this is the advantage now of the Alexa Mini and the Amira, uh, which use uh, similar hardware to accommodate that. But the thing that I was less enthusiastic about, and maybe it's just me, um, but I'd love to see the base uh, ISO not be 800 because I've just fallen in love. And I know, Ben, you, you know this about me, but I've just fallen in love with uh, you know, getting the, a great quality of light, but just not having to shove a ton of light around to get what we want. I mean, is there... Any view on that base 800 as a sort of... I mean, in the old days, that would have been a marvellous ISO, but these days, you know... It's not long ago that that would have been extraordinary. Yeah, but, but unfortunately today, it's not The benchmark has shifted, yeah. for sure. Yeah, as I mentioned, the Alexa Mini uses the same LF3 sensor like we use on the Alexa and on the Amira, and it is 800 base sensitivity, uh, daylight colour characteristic. And you can use the entire range between 160 and 3200 ASA. Many customers do it by rating the sensor faster or slower uh, without any uh, noticeable impact if you do it within reason. But currently this is uh, 800 What's ASA. your advice on in reason as far as the noise yeah, floor up, goes? Up, up to 2000 maybe. Right, so at 2000 you're not worried about noise? No, nah, not at okay. all, not at all. And you still have your plus minus... Um, 14 f-stops, which are basically at base 800. Uh, the symmetry changes a little bit with plus minus uh, over and under exposure, but you still have your 14, 14 and a half f-stops throughout the range, whether you rate the camera 160 or 3200. And you're suggesting either a, um, a log C workflow or obviously uh, you know something more sort of standard like a... But you can have a custom log, uh, can't you, in terms of the... 
anything you want. Uh, also there, I always advise, uh, talk to your post house before you start shooting <laughs> because there might be reasons where you shoot Rec 7 or 9 if there is no time or no money for do any post. Yeah. Uh, of course, also when you shoot Log C, you're still exposed correctly or you should take care of exposing correctly. It just depends on the budget and not to to over-engineer uh, when you're shooting raw and your deliverable is probably just for yeah, IPTV. This wouldn't make sense. Um, so it's always important to see the entire workflow from acquisition to distribution. Yeah, I think it's it's easy to overlook just how good Log C in ProRes can actually be. It's it's a wonderful format. ProRes is much better than you think it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's not the matter what codec you're using and if you're shooting Log C, but if you if you if you know your trade and your craft and and you stick to the basics which means a good exposure uh, you're not messing up with 12 bit 10 bit 8 bit you just have one codec throughout the workflow properly exposed i would say you can get fantastic results for example with a 2k 444 log c throughout the workflow as a dcp 2048 if you do it right you can get uh, not so nice 4k if you don't really follow through. So alone, if you only look at resolution or bit depths or sampling by itself, this is not a guarantee for a good image because it's very important that you follow through the entire workflow at yeah. the same quality. If your exposures are all over the place, it kind of doesn't matter that much what you're shooting on. Correct. It's not going to be great. And you can do a lot in post, but sometimes you can't fix it in post. Um, there's always a picture, but this is basically where you see, oh, this is really a high-quality commercial. This just looks fantastic, and others just might look average. So you've um, you played with the camera in Germany, as we were saying earlier, and I guess for me one of the things that I was curious about is heat because uh, you know quite often with a larger camera there are heat sinks and stuff that adds to the weight and it also adds to the bulk. You've got a small camera here. Uh, is it going to run hot? No, it's not running hot. You will be astonished how many heat sinks in this camera are and also fans. So the camera is not full of electronics. The camera is basically quite, I would say, not necessarily empty, but the cube, this is also determining the weight because it's comparable lightweight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there are enough heat sinks. And there's, uh, we never had a problem with temperature and we will not do that. Uh, with the Alexa M, but you don't have fan noise either, presumably for these shooting sound. No, nah, you don't have fan. You don't have fan noise, so it's similar. Also, the Amira has uh, newer generation fans. With the Alexa, there was a fan upgrade in between for the XT version, which is also retrofitable to any Alexa. But in general, we never had a fan noise. We never had a shutter noise. Not that we were any. This was never a matter of concern for any of our clients or production companies. I guess that's where um, Ari's got a big advantage in there's a long history of um, making moving parts very, very quiet. Yeah, but uh, I'm happy that you raised this point because as important as the camera body itself is to consider the cooling within the installation, which means in an uh, underwater housing or in a helicopter gimbal, which are always enclosed mm. Um, units um, the camera can take care of itself but the fan will basically um, blow the air uh, basically circulate the air but nevertheless the gimbal will heat up or the underwater housing okay underwater housing is maybe not as critical because there's a lot of water around which helps you mm. to, to equalize but uh, Sometimes or when you use um, a rain protector or something like that, this is usually where the trouble starts because the camera takes care of itself, but the heat needs to go somewhere. 
And if you if you uh, stop the airflow from circulating elsewhere, any camera would have trouble. Yeah, yeah, they're not designed to. They're, they're designed to assume that you can get rid of the heat somewhere, not just stick it um, a, a millimeter outside the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I think it's really brilliant. I'm really impressed with this. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to have a play with one. I certainly think that given the size of it, I'd want to have an uh, EF mount on it, but. I don't think. Are you the same way, Ben? I mean, I just, I just. When you get a small camera, I love how everything gets smaller. The tripod yeah, gets smaller. Yeah. The crane gets smaller. Look, I can, I can imagine using this um, in a very, very small configuration with the EF mount. Um, I can imagine using it um, with uh, PL mount, and I'm, I'm sure there. Are, I think, say, from an owner operator point of view, um, there may be people who would look at this and go, "Okay, well, this is a camera uh, that okay, it's not optimized for a full production." Um, situation, but if I was only going to buy one camera, I could kit this up with big lenses and all the accessories um, and have something functional, but then also be able to strip it right down, put an SLR lens, and have something that's really lightweight and compact. Absolutely, it could be the one for all bodies for a single camera owner operator. Uh, and there's absolutely. been a lot of that happening with, with other um, brands of cameras where people will kind of kit it, take a small camera and then kit it up with everything i know exactly um, and it's, it's i know, you know exactly what you're talking about and, um yeah. and it, you know that can get out of hand we've all seen the pictures of some of those rigs when they go wild but at the same time there is a logic there of um having one camera that you can adapt to all sorts of different one camera body that you can adapt to all sorts of different circumstances yeah let me just ask you one last final question while we have you which is this is awesome and i feel greedy even asking this question but does it then swing the focus back once this is out to um, new things happening in the main Alexa line? Yeah, just watch out for future press releases because there might be more down the line. But we try just, first of all, we always try to stay humble with the feet on the ground. We try to live with products which are working, reliable in harsh environment, especially Australia when you're shooting with 40 degrees outside. Uh, when they shot uh, Fury Road, there was a Q&A last week next door at Stage 1 Sound. I went to that. It was spectacular. Yeah, and uh, it was... I, mean, I imagine those guys would have loved to have had the Mini. Yes, but they were also raving about the reliability of the yep. Alexa because the camera never let them down. Mm. Also in dirt, in wet conditions, humidity, um, not a single thing. So the irony there is is that for an Australian production with an Australian director, they shot it in Africa. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, this is something I can't uh, speak for. But uh, back to your question. Um, we try to really listen to uh, market requirements and build products which are um, targeted to the needs of our clients at a reasonable price point, but most important at a long durability, which means the camera, also when you look at the Alexa, this was introduced in 2011. Four years later, this camera is still up to date, can still be upgraded to current feature sets. And uh, our customer, they, our customers, they, their investment keeps its value, which means they're not, we, we don't supersede or we don't make our own products obsolete by releasing too many new options. We rather make it possible to upgrade and for the Alexa Mini it's just important to provide generic interfaces to everybody in terms of mounting points accessories cable diagrams um, on all of our products you can get any pin out we help you with any connectors this is why we are here to adopt any third-party equipment in terms of wireless there are so many 
adapter cables available for RAID, uh, for CineTape, to allow third-party interface, third-party products to interface perfectly with our equipment. Well, again, thank you so much for taking time to talk to us, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you again when you've got one in your hands. I think Ben and I will be fighting each Can't other. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, <laughs> thanks so much. Really appreciate it. You're most welcome. Thank you as well. Well, awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, Ben. That was uh, great too. Because there's been up until the, I mean, I know there's definitely been a little bit more information come to light, but there's been, I've I've heard like five different price points for this camera, three different release dates, and it's all sort of a really slightly confusing uh, situation. Yeah. And they are a little nervous to commit to stuff. Until uh, you know they um, they tell the camera. Clearly, NAB, uh, you're going to be there. Yes. It's going to be the show to get your hands on one and uh, really play with them. I expect they're going to have them in force. It's surprising, isn't it? Because it's March, and in the old days, you would have just waited till NAB to announce it at the date. But now, trade shows are less relevant as an announcement platform. And, yeah, uh, good I place think to hold cameras. Up, it's play almost with like them. a. It's almost like uh, they pre-announced NAB to get you to come to the show. I'm not sure. To have a look the, at them. Yeah, I'm not sure what the what the uh, the rationale is for it, but everyone seems to be doing it. Definitely, apart from Black Magic, who, as we know, are um, um, legendary in 9 a.m. <laughs> Monday morning. <laughs> releasing the hounds uh, uh, in a big way, and they do—they uh, get a lot of impact for that, I think, which is impressive. And of course, red—they'll um, do the pre-tease, and then you'll give you a taste and get people sprinting to the red stand um, at nine o'clock when you know, gates open, um, and then we'll really get the details um, on the website, I guess. But um, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Uh, I think, you know, Sony the same. They will uh, generally announce all their stuff and it'll be there on the stand. It'll be good to actually, by, a t- by NAB time, it'll be great to have hands on with the camera because yep. so far, most of the stuff and the stuff I think that was at um, uh, the last couple of, I can't forget the names, but the last, literally the last couple of uh, trade shows in the last couple of weeks have been um la final prototypes where the the camera the final uh layout of the camera has been uh changed significantly since then in terms of you know where the fans are and where the battery mounts and things yep. so no doubt come come april will actually what will we have hands on will be given the fact that it's going to ship the next month no doubt these will be final final a really really good representation of the camera Speaking of hands-on, what have you been playing with lately? Oh, uh, awesome. Yes, I've um, been dying for someone to make this uh, and I've finally got my hands on one. Uh, there, are, there are the uh, – um, okay, so this is – I mean, it's basically a uh, – it is a um, really nice um, variable ND, but for a larger matte box. I use this in my Bright Tangerine Misfit. Mapbox, and this is uh, um, from Revar Cine, R E V A R Cine dot com. This is uh, what they call the Cine rotor tray. So it's basically it's a rotatable. Uh, so it's like a circular polarizer. It is circular polar. It's a circular polarizer, and then they also sell it in a kit with a four by five six five linear polar. So you can buy, basically buying. A um, a big boy pants variable ND, and 
what I've I've loved it so far using it with the FS7. I'm sure it'd be exactly the same with any any camera that has uh, built-in NDs. Because what it does, it lets you. If you don't have built-in NDs in your camera and you're just using a regular variable ND on, say, the front of a uh, like a, a DSLR or something like yeah. an A7S, which is a very sensitive camera to begin with, you're always, as you know, pushing up against the end, the limit of the variable ND. You're starting to get, the, you know, you're starting to get the vignetting. You're really starting to get, um, uh, you know, a lot of almost getting towards the end of that, the limit of the filter and getting into like that cross-hatch horrible sort of cross effect. Um, once you get past the the limit of the variable ND, um, but I've been using it with the in combination with the with the internal NDs on, on the FS7, and it's been fantastic. Just winding up winding up the internal NDs in big chunks, and then using the um, the Reva Reva Cine, the rotor tray, I guess it is. Just it's really nice. It's it's it sits in basically it sits in the replaces the whole filter tray. You take one tray out and you slide yeah. it in. It's a one thirty eight mil round uh, polar, uh, and it sits, slides beautifully into the tray. And it just gives you nice big notchy knobs to control one on either side of the matte box. And you can easily just reach up and just adjust your exposure beautifully. And again, using it in combination with the ver- the internal NDs, you can stay away from the, you know, from the the um, nasty end of of the limit of the variable NDs. And I, it's it's beautiful, sharp. I, I I was very very happy. It's really functions beautifully. It's um great piece of kit, and I've been dying to have something. It's just you know I. I do a lot of running gun, but I do like to have the, the larger map box on larger lenses, and, you know, and... Um, uh, but you use, you use that, you said before you were using the Misfit Atom, right? That's really light, those tangerine... Yeah, that's the thing. It's really light. light. And, also, and also, I don't have to swap NDs all the time. If I'm, you know, if I've got action, kids, animals, failing, fading light, anything where I don't really want to have to... Um, I mean, having internal NDs has been a fantastic, you know, has been a, a good time saver. I can definitely, you know, save time in swapping filters a lot. But each of those variable NDs are, you know, it's a big jump. You know, you're jumping two or three stop, stop, stop steps every time. So it's really nice to be able to just fill in the gap. You can do the big jumps with the internal, and then and then just get the exposure just spot on with, with the variable and just to be able to slightly sneak it. I mean, it's, it's all based on the fact that I want to, uh, that I like to shoot wide open. <laughs> if I, if I could actually, if I could bring myself to actually use an iris, then, you know, then you wouldn't have to do it. I wouldn't have to do well, it. What are we all. talking about in price though? On the, um, uh, on this? It, it, you know, this stuff is expensive, but filters are expensive. You know, the average, just a regular four by five in Tiffin ND is say around 300 bucks. So this is seven ninety nine for a kit, but, um, Ryan every from, uh, Reva Cine has very, Kindly given me a um, a discount code Wingrove one hundred to give you a hundred bucks off, which I think you know that, that, that's that's six ninety nine for the kit. Of course, what you, you don't have to necessarily use it as a variable ND. What it is is a very nice internal. You can still use NDs uh, traditionally because uh, you've got a spare tray and use this as uh, as your pole as as a tr- traditional polar. So what it is is a very nice. Um, a revolvable polar without having to put a, a, a polar in the in the rear of your map box and and you know kind of unlock it and spin it around a bit. This is uh, it's just a very nice, convenient, beautifully engineered piece of kit. I'm very 
thank you for finally for saving me, Ryan. I'm very, very happy. And he also does. Um, I've sort of kind of haven't mentioned these before because it's you know it's micro four thirds, and that's that's that selfishly is not not in my wheelhouse, but. These are astoundingly beautiful pieces uh, pieces of glass. The Vedra for Micro Four Thirds Prime lenses. These are just you got the pictures there, Mike, aren't you? This is just yep. just beautiful, um, beautiful piece of glass, um, and they do a whole kit. And they they're add. He's adding. Um, Adding adding lenses to the kit um, every time now, and they sell. They do have a kit price. He doesn't sell them directly on his website. You have to go through, uh, right? So go through resellers like Duclos lenses, we and, like Duclos. Uh, hot, and hot rod cameras and things are resellers. Um, so I think there's a fair. I mean, obviously the, the the sizes are more catered to the smaller sensor size. You know, like a, a four a four lens kit is fifty, thirty five, twenty five, and sixteen, and you know that's like two or three grand for 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 a set, and they're about nine hundred dollars so each. But they're 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 reasonably fast. They're two two two, um, constant. Um, you know. Constant fronted, all geared, of course, very compact, of course, because they're all covering, um, covering, covering the four x three sensor. Um, yeah, I'm not sure in Australia where you actually get your hands on these. If if there's a reseller down here, or if there's um, a way to, if anyone's got got a set down here, let us know. I'd love to be able to physically have hands on. No doubt, I will be um, hopefully seeing them at that NAB. But um, yeah, for more reports, this is a. Beautifully machined piece, and I just couldn't couldn't mention the filters without uh, also mentioning this. Uh, this is a, a not unsubstantial project to go ahead and and to to um, you know, build this kit. So I've been playing with that. I've been playing with apps and Ooh. software and stuff. Cool. Yeah, I got a bunch of stuff. Um, coming down the pipe actually one of the ones that i'm playing with at the moment and i'm not finished playing with it yet but it's uh it's a good one it's, it's actually not particularly new it's the academy um uh app so it's the academy color predictor and uh, uh this came out a while ago i don't know if we mentioned it on the show when it came out no, um, I don't, but there was a new version posted on the 27th of january and that's what made me think of it um so basically you you guys would know that i'm obsessed by uh color spectral responses and stuff and so the academy has a predictor app which you can punch up on an ipad which is a good thing because we actually separately validated that an ipad actually has really good color imagery anyway so what happens is on the on the fx phd we did this thing where we photograph stuff under different light settings and different uh sensors and then you could see you know like okay so that's what um the colors in a macbeth chart look like if you had them under sort of you know a gold standard and then if we had it under some kind of uh, warmer led what did it look like for example and in fact there's now this or now there's been for a while but this newest version uh of the uh, academy motion pictures arts and sciences academy color predictor app will do exactly that for you so you can literally just punch up and say i'd like to look at uh you know, this particular test light source uh, mm. in, with this kind of sensitivity from the camera. And uh, you can see both the spectral response, but more importantly, you can see this split screen of the Macbeth chart. Yeah, it looks chart. like each, 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 each panel of the Macbeth, like a representation of the Macbeth chart, looks like it's doing like a split screen showing mm-hmm. you the under pure white light, you know, or, 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 or a neutral color and w- with the tint. 
And this is this is really big if you are in a meeting and you are trying to explain to someone why it matters what lights you use because all lights, why especially LEDs, well, but no, but all <laughs> the darn thing is white and gold. Okay. Um, but if you're trying to explain <laughs> this, it totally is. The, the thing is, if you're trying to explain to someone why it matters that you sort of spend money on a good quality LEDs and, and, you know, not all LEDs are the same, just having a look at how horrendous it is and how complicated it is for a colorist to adjust um, to make up from the spectral deficiencies is uh, really astounding. Um, I have and- just started to use a color chart and uh, hopefully we'll get to try and educate uh, people as to how to use them. Not, or not, not obviously colorists know how to use them, but there's a lot of color happening not necessarily at the colorists um, at yep. a, a, um, a an A grade, so to speak, colorists uh, desk these days. Yeah, well, I mean, we were shooting this week with Ben Allen, and we were doing a narrative drum piece with uh, some actors we had, and one of whom um, Hugh was uh, in the bill. You'd know him, but it was a great set of actors. Um, uh, three of them working through a scene, Ben was shooting it and, you know, we just put a chart up at the end of it and just knocked it up, took like seconds and it's just invaluable information to know what was going on with the light on that day with that sensor because you've got the colorimetry of the light, you've got the colorimetry of the sensor and the dyes effectively and the, the color processing pipeline and it's, you know, in the old days we used to think, oh, well, that would just help you try and work out whether the whole thing is, you know, a bit magenta or, or a bit whatever but this isn't what what is happening? What is happening is you're getting these very weird twisting uh, uh, sort of of the colors. And so what would be a saturation thing in yellow is completely a tint shift in the reds and completely a luminance, it seems, shift in the greens kind of thing. And it's it's just not a simple path to get uh, to get back. Now, of course, there are tools that you can use to kind of profile off that chart if you've shot it. But it's it's not old school in the sense of just doing it but no one will ever look at it. It's actually incredibly reassuring to know what's going on with your colours. Um, and our actors are were of um, different ethnic backgrounds, had vastly different skin. But that's not the point. The point is to know where your baseline is, so that when somebody starts discussing stuff, you know your eye corrects. We all know this. When you're standing mm. in the room, your eye corrects. If the dress thing is taught as nothing, it's the eye corrects. And so you just want some kind of absolute thing that you can look at later and just analyze what's going on, not try and judge stuff from either how you remember it or just how it kind of looks uh, on the day. And I I just can't uh, I can't say how useful it is that this is now a lot more discussed, a lot more widely understood. And this is a free app. I mean, what do you got to lose, right? Um, the uh, Speaking of well, free apps that work with in, in this regard of – there's the higher, there's the more expensive version, but you know, there's the the free version of Resolve has uh, the automatic has the automatic color match yep. system, which is, of course is a bit of a cheat, but it gives you a start. But literally, if you put a Macbeth color chart, I think there's like three or four different um, standard. Um, it it will look for uh, if you put a if put a color chart, um, one of three or four, it recognizes yeah. in front of the camera. It will literally look at all the chips and analyze it and knows what kind of color chart it's looking at and it will give you a uh, a rough setup grade based on, of course, your actual scene will always vary and the light you know, that the subject is on and how you want to actually grade it. But it's uh, in theory really nice to use the automatic color match, put a color chart up there and bang and set that up and then that gives you a, a, a good start. So I think that's a really cool piece of uh, tech from 
from Black Magic do that. Have you tried yeah, that? Absolutely, thing? we use it all the time. Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's a starting point. Yeah, I yes. mean, the thing about so many of these things is that there's uh, there's the truth of the maths, and then there's the truth of what the DOP wants. You know, Ben particularly yes, exactly. wants to light people. Um, because he's deliberately playing off different color temperatures to get, you know, something. I think somebody pointed out in House of Cards in the new series that there's always something, I think it's always something yellow in the back of frame and blue in the front of frame. Um, there's always a tint of cold in the front and a tint of warm in the back. And, you know, you can do that through color temperature. You can, I've certainly done it, you know, just put exactly mm-hmm. the wrong bulbs in for the background and turn everything blue. So, you know, you don't want to correct that out. It's like when you uh, have a... Yeah. Um, camera and it auto exposes on a stills thing to well, I was actually after an interesting sunset. Please don't expose it um, that way. Yeah. So, but that being said, if you allow for the fact that that is all you're using it at is to give you a point of departure for everything that follows. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, uh, well, I'm totally there. Right. So do you have anything uh, that you wanted to uh, flag this week in terms uh, of, um, while I'm on the subject of, um, Map boxes, uh, Misfit yeah. Atom. Again, this is not not cheap, but uh, its uses are uh, very impressive. The Misfit Atom from Bright Tangerine. They've just brought out a very. For, it's always been a complete pain in the ass, um, particularly people who have um, gimbals and drones who want to be able to. You know, they're putting bigger and better cameras on these things and bigger and better glass. Uh, but you want to be able to filter this stuff, and uh, it's always quite hard. And uh, so, Bright, Bright Tangerine made a gorgeous, um, super lightweight clamp-on map box for designed for. You could even use this for handheld. Um, if if my Misfit wasn't already incredibly light, uh, this would be fantastic for handheld. You can put one or two four by five six five or four by four filters on on there. And uh, yeah, I think it's about ninety eight grams if you take the detachable, easily detachable shade off, or uh, about under two hundred grams with it on. Uh, so, it's six ninety nine. So a sip of beer is- type of level. <laughs> Exactly. It's uh, you know, it's like it's like um, it's like cycling. You have to pay money. You, you have to pay um, <laughs> to get pay more work. to get less. <laughs> yes, spoken but, like uh, a true mammal. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful piece of kit. And if you if you're putting if you're flying, um, and I'm not sure just gimbals, but if you're just putting on Steadicam, anything where um you're pushing the limit of the rig and you really want to be able to put um you know you need to be able to filter up um without having to the, the pain in the art then the alternative at the moment you know in the past has been um put to, you know just tape this you know put a whole bunch of tape around the front of the lens <laughs> and trim it for with five, for five minutes with you know get your scissors out and, and really make a hope that it flower didn't fall the off the drone and hope that uh, the uh, you didn't want to change it quickly and or hope that when you put the filter against the lens that you didn't sort of scratch the filter with the the front metal of the the lens if you're like me of course you put a little sort of bit of you put a little bit of tape on the actual front of the lens before you then you know cut your beautiful little flower but uh yeah it's it's uh, if you want if if this is for you you probably already know about it you probably already pre-ordered but uh yeah it's a beautiful piece of kit go pridetangerine.com love their work um yeah it's, it's quite quite sweet um hmm, what else i was uh, 
questions without um, without notice. You were talking about apps, and last week, last episode, we talked about favorite podcasts. Have you got? Uh, I cannot. I can't do without. What's in your kit bag of uh, apps on your phone? Uh, what can't I live without apps on my phone? Is that what the question is? Yes. Okay. In a roundabout, clumsy way. That was that was a <laughs> really simple kind of <laughs> way to get there. Um, uh, well, that's a really good question, I guess. Um, so there's uh, stuff that um, we use in case of emergency for um, uh, a board. So we, you know, can obviously clap your hands. But if you're trying to actually get information onto the frame because you don't trust the metadata coming all the way down the pipe, then... Um, oh, yes, because you often just don't want to have one take two, you um, having often more technical um, yeah, requirements for your slating. Stuff. Yeah, so the, we have uh, slate apps that we use for that. Um, i got to confess I've been using, um, well, I use uh, occasionally, um, uh, yeah, I think it's okay to say, occasionally we use for Angie on uh, FX Guide TV the, um, the prompter app, the pro prompter app um for her to uh, oh yes so you can control an ipad on your iphone so the prompter in front of the camera is also mirrored on what's the phone so i find this really useful so someone like angie who's really competent can actually control her own prompter rather than having someone to drive the prompter for her um so i think that's really good i think in terms of um so you can have an iphone in your hand just out of frame just on, like, sitting on the desk yeah or in exactly. the ipad and yeah and so as it's scrolling up if you want it to stop you just touch don't even look down touch your phone stops the scrolling um and then touch it again it starts up you swipe up it goes fast uh, i think and swipe down it goes slower so while you're doing a read you can be controlling it pretty easily in terms of speed stop start and that's all that's often needed i don't tend to use that because i tend to do very uh, unscripted work um but yeah you know it's uh it's certainly good um those what's, are two the, what's, what's your what's the slate app that you use which one? Oh, i knew you were gonna ask me that um Oh, well, you're thinking about it. I'll mention one of mine. This is yeah, completely because I have gear acquisition syndrome and I'm often got lots of uh, couriers heading my way. I use something called Parcel. Now, this is in the iOS App Store and in the Mac App Store. Uh, kind of one of those things where you can, if you pay, you, I don't know, you pay like a, literally like it's a couple of dollars for a year's subscription as long as you want to use it. And uh, so literally you just enter enter your tracking numbers and literally, it's really intuitive. You just enter a tracking number and it goes, oh, yeah, that's a UPS code and just calls it a UPS and lets you name it, of course. And what you can do is if once you subscribed, it will link between your um, – if you enter them in your Mac, it will you know, basically will, will, will follow through to – Something you might have on your iPhone. It gives you a little alert. It gives you little, you know, little notifications if something ships or if there's an issue with customs or whatever. It lets you know when something's departed, and uh, yeah, so you can kind kind of hmm. vaguely guess when to be home. But it's yeah, it's very impressive. It gives you a little count of how many days till something gets delivered. It's very sad, but I like this app. Parcel. It's very good. If you've tried a few other little sort of tracking apps, there's there's plenty out there, but I definitely recommend that one. That that's very very cool. Um, can I can I just rat hole for a second? I tell you something. Yeah. I have got I've got um, uh, that scanner that goes on your iPad that allows you to scan three D things. Um, the structure app, you know, like the oh, structure scanner. Is so, it one two three? What's it called? No, it's structure. structure. So what it does oh, okay. is 
I there's a few of those been around too. Yeah, but this is like a really good quality. I mean, it costs about four or five hundred bucks, but it's really good quality. Let's you what do three just full three D scanning, like with stereoscopic and depth perception and you know texturing and you know what I'm talking about, uh, right? Not the app. It's a piece of hardware that goes on oh, the iPad. I'm sorry, I not see. Like an app that well, it's it's that sounds like a really expensive app. Yeah, it's not, <laughs> that would be a pretty expensive app, wouldn't it? Um, okay, I'm trying to remember what the slate is, but I will say cut notes and there's another one that we use for notes uh, for doing um, paper edits. Uh, what's that called? That um, shot lister, I think it is, isn't it? That you, you can use for um, doing stuff. But I've got to say, I'm, I've been much more involved with my, um, with my scanner than I have with anything else on my iPad uh, wow. in ages. So you just, okay. Movie slate so, is the one, by the way, that you were asking okay. about. Before, yeah. Gotcha. So that is uh, what allows us to do okay. a bunch of information in, uh, on our slates. Time scroller. That's awesome. I'm sure I've told you about that one maybe before. It's, um, it's. I think it's only iOS app, but it's fantastic. So literally, it's one of those ones where you, you enter whatever cities you want, and it will then suggest a nice meeting time. But you also can just literally scroll, scrub through it with your fingers. And you can change, you know, you can jump. It's great for it if you're coordinating podcasts or meetings or, or uh, conference calls. Um, apart from suggesting a really good time, it gives you like it shows you when it gives little nice little green lights when it's a good time that suits kind of everybody. But also, you know, you can literally just scroll forward or days ahead and, and get the date, not just the, 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 the hour or the, the time right, but literally also obviously get the date, the date um, Correct with you know the 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 dateline, uh, and you can add and add and subtract cities if you just want only trying to get a couple of people to meet or add three or four as many as you like and scroll through and yeah. It's, okay, do you know do you know an app that I'm not using? <laughs> Stocks? I'm not using Lightroom Mobile. No, now, I'm, I'm not. I was. If you guys have worked out how day, to use it right. <laughs> and it works for you, could you like send me an email because I swear to God. I know loads of people that downloaded it, and I almost know no one. I think one person I know, uh, John Montgomery, uses the actual darn thing. Everybody else I know went, well, this is really too complicated, and just walked away. Yeah. Mm. I have more fun with my animated knots app than I do with my Photoshop Lightroom. Tell me, what is that? I think we've moved on to the the 50 Shades of Mike. Firmly at the last (laughs) But yes, it's because I sail. It's because I sail. Sure, sure, sure. Yes, it is. Yes, of course, that's what it is. Totally is that. What's it called? What? (laughs) Animated Knots. That's what it's called? Yeah, totally. Wow, that's a creative name. If you've ever ever sat around, bored out of your skull, like I do, wanting to do something that isn't going to, you know, make a lot of noise, get a bit of rope and tie knots, that's what I do. Definitely, I want that one. Actually, sitting on the back of a yacht on a Friday afternoon, drinking, uh, having just completed a Friday night race, it's an awfully good thing to do. Sitting there as the sun goes down, watching animated knots. If you want a, if you want a really cool piece of tech, it's got nothing to do with this podcast. Like, honestly, it's got nothing to do with it. Um, there's an app which is just blows my mind called Glasses.com for the iPad. So what happens is you get this thing. I swear to God, it's so close. It's so close to magic. It's not funny. You hold it under your chin in a mirror so you can see how far it is away. And what it does is it works out when these two things line up 
it, yeah. that you are exactly a certain distance from the mirror. And then knowing that distance, it can triangulate to scan your head and work out the size of your own head. And so now it's worked out the size of your head oh, because it, okay. it then takes photos around your head. Then it builds a 3D model of your head, all of which is so you can see any of their glasses on your head. And you and move. It puts it, tra- it does it's, its augmented can, reality. It's no, 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 it's not that. It's literally like you have a picture of yourself and as you turn the iPad, you can, or flick across it, you can look left or right oh. or the digital head of you, you can do that. Right. So and you can look but, around But not only that, you can sort of push the glasses up the nose, pull them down the nose, tweak them a bit. It is so, no, really, I know it's it sounds- a free app, obviously, because you're selling- <laughs> Yeah, you know, but if you want, cars. if you want to like, like honestly, once you've done this, <laughs> you're going to feel like a bit of a dork when you're doing it in the bathroom. But when you're finished and you're sitting there with a digital version of your own head on set with just modeling different glasses on your face, because I, I wear glasses, you know, for reading and stuff. So if you do that, oh my God, people like just think you're some kind of, you know, genius. It's like, wow, have you done that? You a digital model of your head just so you can see what your glasses look like? Wow, you've got so much free time on your head. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm, I have one, one last thing, which is not even an I, app, but it's an augmented. Well, it is actually an app, but it's something I just kickstarted. I think, but it's got five days to go. Maybe by the time this get uh-huh. out gets out, you might just get it. It's called Goodnight Lad on Good Kickstarter. Night, lad. Yeah, on Kickstarter, and it is. Uh, I don't have young children, but I just both. I, I backed it anyway. It's uh, it's a kids bedtime story, I guess about. A, a boy sparked by a boy who maybe wouldn't go and go to sleep, but um, you give say you're an iPhone or iPad to your child, and you're holding the storybook, and it's augmenting uh, an animated boy into the storybook that they can then zoom in. They can move the phone around the book. You can tilt the book up and down, read the story. Of course, it still involves you know reading. It's not replacing that whole kind of relationship thing. But uh, it does add this lovely anime. So unless you have a child. son I don't know about that's very young, how is it that you came to discover this? Uh, I'm on, I just I I go on, I backed a few things on Kickstarter and occasionally I go to the you know to the you know just discover see what's new kind of thing and or they sometimes push out emails you know saying this is what's cool or they have like you know like the staff picks kind of thing so. Yeah, I just thought it was beautiful. I'm sure I can find somebody to gift it to. But uh, yeah, obviously, I think it's like for 20 bucks, you get the book mailed anywhere in the world, I think, and the free copy of the app. It's beautiful. Have a look at it if you can. Even if it's even if it's it's finished being backed and you missed out, I'm sure it's very. I, I think it's they've already done the book and they've already done the app. It's just a matter of getting the printing done. So I'm sure it will be not very short time before it to go from Kickstarter to just you know go buy this here. Uh, but if regardless, just look at look. I just I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of this augmented reality stuff around, and augmented rea- augmented reality books around. I guess maybe it's not new, but I just thought it was sweet, and I thought it was just beautifully, charmingly done. I thought. Okay. Yeah, worth a look. Good to know. Got to go, Jace. Go. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes, me too. I got to go pack. I got to shoot for a few few days away. So um, thank you everybody for listening to this rant mindless unplanned unresearched rant well speak for yourself mate i did quite a lot of research (laughs) (laughs) and an interview yes yeah no thanks very much to ari for that and uh thanks you guys for 
bunch of you put in uh, suggestions for questions, and hopefully you heard those as part of the uh, array of questions that I was doing. So we were feeding, uh, we definitely fed our own set of questions with those that you'd answered and suggested on Twitter. So thanks so much for that. Thank you all. Until next time, Jace. See you soon. See you soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. Send your questions or comments to rc at fxguide.com. Copyright 2011, FX Guide, LLC.